That story changed the trajectory of my life. Ever since then, I've quite literally never looked back. And the reason it was so powerful for me and so impactful for everything that unfolded from that day was because it followed to a T the three-step formula. Welcome to the Together Sober Podcast. I am your host, Louise Barnett, former Fortune 100 Global Sales Director turned Jay Shetty Accredited Life Coach. Each week, we will provide you a safe space of guidance, empathy, accountability, and support, helping you to find effortless sobriety and mental peace. Before we get started, you guys, please, please, please make sure to hit that subscribe button, like this episode, and rate and review the Together Sober podcast. This is actually the only way that we can grow organically to start impacting more and more lives to find lasting sobriety and mental peace. Welcome back, Together Sober listeners, for another solo episode together sober podcast where our mission every single week is to create survival guides out of our collective stories so what i want to do in today's episode is continue to fill your toolbox to provide you with tools to provide you with resources that are going to help you on your recovery sobriety journey When I work with clients that are still in active addiction, but with a strong focus on finding sobriety, a lot of times they come to me and we start working together. And one of the first things that we talk about is beliefs and the cost of these beliefs and hundred percent of the time, literally 10 out of 10 times, there are beliefs that individuals have about themselves that are really seriously holding them back from making change and making strides towards sobriety. And this is something I'm really passionate about because I really firmly believe that we have to tackle this stuff first if we're going to be successful in giving alcohol the boot for good. And so what I really encourage my clients to do is actually not focus on the booze, call me crazy, um, but we're going to focus on some of these beliefs and how to overcome them. So if you're, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, you know, reasons, reasons why you're not achieving your goal, reasons why you're not maintaining sobriety. This is also very common with clients who have maybe, been on this journey for a while. They've really put in some solid attempts at sobriety, but just keep finding themselves, you know, back and back in that relapse cycle. And that can be incredibly frustrating, incredibly disheartening. And sadly, the more times we relapse, the, the more these beliefs are reinforced and stronger and stronger, those voices inside of our head as to why we can't do something or why we can't accomplish something. So what I want to do is to kind of just talk about some of these beliefs, have you really 
think about what some of your beliefs are, and then we're going to present some ways to bust through them, basically. So another word for these are called limiting beliefs. That's kind of a buzzword now in, in the coaching space, but really these are just beliefs that we have about ourselves that are preventing us from accomplishing our goals. So if your goal is not sobriety right now, if your goal is something else in life, that's that's great too. This is going to apply to you. I'm going to be using obviously examples that are surrounded by sobriety because we are after all the Together Sober podcast. <laughs> So here's some examples of some of the beliefs that we might have about ourselves. Maybe we're saying I'm not worthy of love. Maybe we're saying I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I don't have enough time for that. I'm not strong enough to get sober. Uh, I'm too old to make the change to get sober. Like it's too late in life for me. No one's ever going to want me because of all the mistakes that I've made. It's just too late for me. I'm not strong enough. Did I already say that one? I think I already said that one. Um, I don't have it in me. I'm never going to amount to anything anyway. These are all beliefs that we have about ourselves. And in order for us to successfully navigate and find sobriety, We have to first figure out what our beliefs are. What are we telling ourselves? What are we saying to ourselves? And then we need to figure out how to change that belief, reword it, rephrase it, rewire that brain about it. So think for a minute about some of the beliefs that you have. So if you can write it down, please write it down. If not, just imagine like a whiteboard in your brain and just scribble down some of the beliefs that you have about yourself. Some of the negative beliefs that you have about yourself that have stood in your way and are standing in your way to making serious change as it relates to your relationship with alcohol. And pause me if you'd like to to take a minute to do that. Maybe you've kind of already been thinking about these, these phrases and these beliefs in your mind as I've been sharing some examples. But go ahead and just pick one of them. Pick one that you think resonates the most with you, that you think has really been standing, holding you back and standing in your way. And put that one at the forefront of your mind or put a big red circle around it. And then I want to ask you what this belief has cost you in the past. So because you have this belief about yourself that, for example, you're not strong enough to get sober, what has that cost you in the past? If I think that I'm not strong enough to get sober, well, I'm guessing I'm probably not even going to take the first step to begin with. Because if I don't think I'm strong enough, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and maybe expecting a different result. So maybe it's cost me time. Maybe it's cost me money. Maybe it's cost me relationships. Maybe it's cost me a job. Maybe it's cost me my own self-worth. Get specific. The second question is, what is this costing you today? So we've talked about what it's been costing you in the past. And if you need more time, please pause in between each question here. There's only three of them. But what is it costing you today? The fact that 
again, choose your number one negative belief. I'm using the example of I'm not strong enough to get sober for this exercise. So what is that costing me today? Well, if that's a belief that I have and it's true, it's certainly costing me my health because I haven't made any changes to my drinking and it's affecting my brain, it's affecting my gut, it's affecting my liver, my heart, everything. It's affecting a lot of people first notice, like it's my hair, my hair is dry and brittle, my skin is starting to break out, things like that. It's costing me my sleep. I have really restless nights of sleep. Uh, when I was drinking, you guys, I think I got up six times a night to go pee. Ask my husband for a fact check on that, but I'm pretty sure it was at least six times a night I was getting up to go pee. So I wasn't sleeping, right? I wasn't getting my REM cycles or anything like that. Uh, it was, it is, it was when I didn't think I was strong enough to get sober, it was costing me my relationships. I was constantly fighting with my husband. I was not present for my daughter. It cost me mediocrity, man. Like I did nothing in life that was above and beyond or exceeded expectations or made me feel proud. I did everything to get by so I could start drinking again. Keep thinking about what it's costing you today, the belief, not the act of drinking, but the belief that you're not strong enough. What is it going to cost you in the future if you choose to continue? A lot of this list might be the same and it might be magnified. So maybe a relationship that you're not present for is going to turn into a relationship that doesn't exist, that you're going to lose. Maybe it's a job where you're, you know, sliding by, but soon it's not going to be a job at all. Because if I'm never strong enough, if I believe that I'm never strong enough to get sober, then I'm never even going to make that first step. And that's the most beautiful thing about this exercise is that I'm not fucking asking you to stop drinking. I'm not asking you to cut back, change how much you're drinking, change your ways, do a dry January. I'm not asking you to do any of that stuff. I'm just asking you to look at yourself and what you think about yourself and the beliefs that you have about yourself. That's all I'm asking you to do. What has this cost you in the past? What is it costing you today? And what will it cost you in the future if you choose to continue? When I was in active addiction for 20 years, living with all of my demons, many of those in corporate America days, and dating one frog after the next and hiding from my true self, I lived so many lies. So many lies. I lived lies about how my daughter was born, who was with me when she was born, how I got pregnant, how she came about. I lived a lot of lies about my mental health. I never told a single leader that I had until the last leader 
um, Kim Napolitano, shout out to you, my friend, uh, with Hilton. I never told a single leader about my bipolar disorder or that I struggled with mental health in general. I thought I could just, you know, cover it up, be stronger than that, right? And a lot of those years, I was not in therapy as well. And then I lived lies about my addictions. So I kept up with the Joneses in terms of what was appropriate to be drinking externally. And then I would go home and double or triple that on my own accord. And spent most mornings extremely hungover, but making up every excuse in the book, right? Like all oh, migraine. I mean, when Annabelle was a baby, it was so easy. It was like, oh, the baby didn't sleep. The baby didn't sleep. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. I mean, every excuse in the book you come up with to cover up the fact that you're hungover, not just on a Friday or a Saturday, but on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday. And then eventually you just surround yourself by people who are experiencing the same thing. So it's funny and hilarious that we're all hungover on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday because we're all doing the same thing. I digress. So the reason that I never shared any of these things truth about my daughter, truth about my mental health, truth about my addictions is that I never thought I would be worthy in anyone else's eyes if I shared these truths. And to be honest, that's still one of the limiting beliefs that I struggle with today. The difference is that I don't act on that negative belief and my daily habits don't revolve around masking and numbing and hiding and avoiding that negative belief. So while I still have fears of, you know, abandonment, I still have fears that I am not worthy. These are now just simple conversations that I'm having with myself, with my partner, with my therapist, with my friend to increase self-awareness and to to say, hey, I'm I'm feeling this feeling right now. I'm going to check the facts. I'm going to try to understand this feeling. I'm going to understand what my irrational thoughts are around this feeling. And I'm going to ask myself, where is this feeling coming from? And all of those feelings are coming from our negative beliefs. So it's just a matter of identifying which one it is in that given moment in time. And then walking through an exercise of just saying, okay, well, let's check the facts again. Let's see which one makes the most sense. And let's process this. And let's say, okay, I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to sit in this for a little bit, but I understand why I'm feeling this way. I understand where it's coming from. I understand what the facts are surrounding it. And I understand that certain behaviors were I to engage in them, would not be healthy given this analysis that I've just done of this situation. So that's a sidebar into a whole like DBT skill set world. But I say it because these beliefs that we have in our active addictive years, we are choosing behaviors 
that are like masking and covering them up. And then once we become sober, these feelings are still going to be there. These beliefs are still going to be there. And now we have to do the work to kind of start diminishing them. So what I'm suggesting is that we do the work now because that way, as we find our sobriety and whatever our goals with alcohol are, our relationship with ourself and these negative beliefs are going to be a lot easier to manage. And so when you're triggered and faced with a challenging situation in your new sobriety, you're going to be a lot stronger. Hence, you're not going to relapse. Okay. So you get where I'm coming from now. Awesome. 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 One of the things that has really changed the trajectory for me with my journey and navigating my own sobriety is telling my story, quite frankly, and sharing my story and writing my story. And the whole reason why we have the Together Sober podcast is to share these stories so that we can create survival guides for all of us, for all of you, dear listeners. And what that meant for me and what that means for me is remembering the highs and the lows, remembering the struggle and the challenges and highlighting all of it because there's no bad parts in life. There's no bad stories. It's just our story and it's our own unique experience that that matters. And believe it or not, embracing the quote unquote bad, embracing what we used to cover up or what we're still covering up is what gives us power. So remember when I said the things that I was covering up was, you know, lies about my daughter's birth, lies about my mental health, lies about my addictions. And there were, there were more things too, lies about my family, more things in there. Those are the things today that give me power. Those are the things that are my superpower. These are what I consider trophies. They shouldn't be shoved into a trunk or shoved under a carpet. These are the things that should be highlighted on the walls of your room. They should be displayed out in the open. The shit that everybody else seems to care about, like my degrees, my certificates, my awards, those are great. I don't want to say those don't have value, but I'm displaying the things that give me power. And that's my mental health, my addiction story, my daughter's birth, and everything that's wrapped up in all of that. When I first told my story, I was very new into sobriety, actually. And I hadn't really told anybody at work. I hadn't, I mean, my husband knew, but I wasn't like broadcasting it to the world like I do today. And, uh, but I, Paul, my husband and Annabelle had gone out one afternoon on a Saturday. I think it was soccer or something that they were going to. And I had been working over the past couple months doing a lot of writing. So again, behind the scenes, kind of just like sharing pieces of me, sharing my story, 
to, to journals, to word documents. And I had started to share really safe, I'll say pieces to, uh, an online public speaking community that I am a part of, um, Toastmasters, if you're not familiar with it. And I've been receiving just a lot of power from, from sharing some of these experiences of my personal development journey. I hadn't gone into my sobriety journey yet with, um, the Toastmasters, but I had been sharing a lot about my personal development journey and was receiving a lot of feedback, not only of my writing, but just of like the, the buzzword vulnerability, sharing my story. And this one Saturday afternoon, I had been working on a piece that was just for me. I had no intention of sharing it. And I just had this overwhelming feeling that it was time and that I had to share my story. And so I, I did just that my friends, I went on to, uh, I must've recorded it on zoom. And then I uploaded it to LinkedIn was the platform that I chose. I, at the time, I don't even think I had Facebook or Instagram or anything. I had very intentionally taken a break from those platforms during a lot of my personal development journey. And, but I had kept LinkedIn for business reasons and for work. And I was working for Hilton at the time. And so I uploaded this just like totally raw, unrehearsed, like video. It's still up there. You can go find it. It's one of like my first pinned videos in LinkedIn that just talked about my journey and my alcohol and my drinking and my headspace and what was going on in my mind. And I posted it. And within 24 hours, it was like, oh my God, like 5,000 people were viewing it and the hundreds and hundreds of comments and people just reaching out with similar experiences, people reaching out for help and guidance. I mean, it literally in a 24 hour period changed the trajectory of my life in the sense that I knew right there and then in that moment, the power of storytelling and sharing our stories and what that could do. And I knew that I had to continue that quest. I didn't know what the mission was. I didn't know what the goal was. I didn't know anything really at that time, except that I knew that the way that I felt by sharing my story, airing those things that I used to hide for the majority of my life because negative beliefs helped me back, was the very thing I needed to do to be free. So there is a very simple formula to how we can conquer our limiting beliefs. And it's this, I'm not going to keep it a secret. <laughs> it's not a secret. Action leads to results. Results leads to confidence. Confidence is what destroys limiting beliefs. So I'll say it again, and I'm sure I'll say it later. Action leads to results. Results leads to confidence. Confidence is what destroys limiting beliefs. So we're going to break this down, but I obviously shared this story about LinkedIn and me sharing my story with you because it's a, such a strong demonstration of how this formula works. I didn't overthink it. I went with a feeling and I took action. I posted a video in this example. That led to immediate results, which 
those results led to immediate self-confidence, literally in the blink of an eye, the thing that was keeping me shoved under the rug in my closet, embarrassed, ashamed, was the very thing giving me confidence, my sobriety. And that's what destroys limiting beliefs. Boom, done. So the first question that is usually asked after I share this equation is, okay, but how do I take action, Louise? Like, I don't want to post a video to LinkedIn, which is totally cool. You don't have to. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of ways that we can create action. And then the beautiful thing about it is that you kind of just get this snowball effect. So by default, if you're creating action, that is literally the cogs are turning now on the wheel and you're creating results and the results are going to create self-confidence and the self-confidence is going to destroy your limiting beliefs. And as long as we can keep kind of doing this action, action, feeding the action over and over and over again, we're going to continue to bust away at our limiting beliefs. So how do we create action? Well, the first thing we're going to do is very simple. We're going to start following through. Again, I'm not asking you to post a video on a social media platform. I'm not asking you to give a speech in front of thousands of people. I'm not asking you to jump out of an airplane. I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. But I am going to ask you to follow through. This is one example of three that we're going to talk about today that are examples of taking action. When we follow through, we are sending signals to our brain that we are somebody that does exactly that, follows through on our word. And when we follow through, we are releasing a dopamine hit, basically, um, to our brain. FYI, dopamine is gonna also build self-confidence. So. Here's how I recommend we follow through. Start small. Okay. I don't, I, again, like I'm not saying we need to change our whole lifestyle and change our ways here. I'm literally asking you to see the glass that's in the sink and put it in the dishwasher. That's following through. I'm asking you to respond to a text. When somebody texts you, that's following through. I'm asking you to fold and put away your laundry once you've processed it, which if you're anything like me is like a Herculean event. But if you do it, that's following through. Now for each of these seemingly tiny, teeny, tiny tasks, we're receiving the same dopamine hit as though we were following through on writing a 600-page essay. So start small. Just choose these tiny little examples. One of the mantras that I use to help me even determine like what are things that are following through is to say to myself, "The, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So if you are at the gas station, 
and you see a piece of gum wrapper on the floor. I know, gross. Grab a tissue, pick it up and throw it away. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. If I am getting changed in my closet and I just kind of like throw the sweater from the day on the floor or over the chair, right? The chair that collects all the clothes. I say to myself, Louise, the way you do the one thing is the way you do everything. Hang that sweater up. These are the teeny tiny things, you guys. That's all I'm asking you to do. And you're sending signals to your brain that you're somebody that follows through on your word. It doesn't matter if it's a small thing or a big thing, you're following through. If you need help just like taking the extra leap, use the five second rule. Mel Robbins is a genius. She takes really simple concepts and blows them up on a global scale. And the five second rule is one of those examples. Literally, if if you are wavering whether or not you want to go to the gym in the morning, count down from five, five, four, three, two, one, go to the gym. If your alarm has gone off and you just press the snooze button, don't do it, don't do it. Count down from five, five, four, three, two, one, get out of bed. If you are about to pour yourself a glass of wine, count down from five, five, four, three, two, one, put the cork in it. Use the second five second rule. If you feel like you need that extra boost, that extra accountability, that extra motivation, use the five second rule. Consider your future self. What would future Louise do? What would future Louise, who is sober and has great relationship with her family and a successful business and a lifestyle that she has designed for herself, what would that person do? Consider your future self. This is a really good one for the gym, right? Like consider how, it doesn't have to be like long-term future. Consider how you're going to feel after the 30-minute power walk. That's your future self. Consider how you're going to feel after you've had two or three glasses of wine. Not good. Definitely not the next day. Consider that hangover morning. And then if you really need some concrete help following through on specific tasks, use the Pomodoro technique. I'm not going to go into detail about it here today. But it is a technique where you set a timer for 20 minutes, you single focus on that task for 20 minutes, meaning you're not even taking a sip of water, you're not listening to music, you have no social media open, your phone is put away, and maybe you're using this task simply to do the laundry without any distractions. Maybe you're using this task to complete a work project. Maybe you're using this task to get over a trigger. I'll talk about that in another episode, because it's really powerful. But we can use this technique to help us single focus on something that we want to do or something that we don't want to do. And then after the 20 minutes, you take a five minute break to stretch, have a glass of water, etc. And if you need to repeat it, you can repeat it. uh, Supposed to do a maximum of like four times. Uh, A side note, triggers don't last more than 20 minutes. So yeah. You can use this for 20 minutes to get through a trigger, but I'll talk about that in another episode. Okay, so following through. There's Brady running her mouth. Can you hear her? She's making like quite the appearance on the podcast, I gotta say. Okay, the next way to take action is 
10% more. It's similar to following through, but I think with some unique differences. And let me just grab this door because Brady's going nuts. Hopefully you won't hear that distraction anymore. So again, when we are somebody that is doing going the extra mile or doing 10% more, we are sending that same signal to our brain that we go to the extra mile, that we're somebody that does that, right? And we're not just following through anymore. We're actually going the extra mile. And this is also sending a dopamine hit to our brain, thus building self-confidence. Now, Again, here, I highly recommend starting super small. So let's talk about a workout. If you're going to do 10 push-ups, do 11. If you're going to read for 10 minutes, read for 11. If you're planning on making a $10 donation, donate 11. If you're planning on pouring your glass three quarters of the way full, you can do this backwards now, right? When we talk about if you listen to last week's episode of breaking habits, we can reverse the cycle here. So fill it up halfway instead of three quarters, right? Something is better than nothing. And when we start to train our brains that we're somebody that is going the extra mile in these ways, we are literally creating results by what we're doing right? Our follow through as well. We're creating results by putting the glass in the dishwasher, texting somebody back, doing the laundry. Same with the 10% more. We're creating results by the 11 pushups, only filling our glass halfway. You can do this backwards. Like if you have two hours of social media screen time a day, go for 90 minutes, right? That's reverse 10% more. So 10% less when you're trying to break a habit, 10% more when you're trying to implement a habit. And this is going to increase our confidence. And what does increasing our confidence do? It reduces those limiting beliefs. Okay. The third and final thing that we're going to talk about today is getting outside of our comfort zone. When we We literally are boosting self-confidence when we accomplish something we wouldn't normally do. So we are, are, we're going to start to train our brains that we can do hard things. Again, I'm not asking you to, you know, climb out of an airplane or go bungee jumping or anything crazy like that. These are very small ways that are outside of our comfort zone. So if it is outside of your comfort zone to have one glass of wine instead of two, train your brain, have one instead of two. Uh, drive a different route to work, park the furthest from the store, start a conversation with a complete stranger. Like if you're ever at the checkout line and you just see somebody there, instead of staring at your phone, start a conversation with them. That is like wildly uncomfortable to do. Ask somebody for something that you're not really sure if the answer is going to be yes. Maybe the answer is going to be no, but you're just going to ask it anyway, because it's kind of uncomfortable. Sing out loud when you're in public. Try a new dish or recipe. Maybe you get into a habit of buying the same thing every week from the grocery store. Pick one day a week where you're going to try something new, a new recipe. Parks, did I say this? Park super far from the store. And then first of all, it's going to give you some more steps, but like, It's just kind of uncomfortable. Like, why would you do that? Everybody looks for the closest parking spot, right? These are all teensy tiny ways that we can start to train our brains to behave in ways that are outside of our comfort zone. 
just text somebody randomly on your phone or send a message to somebody on Facebook Messenger or Instagram. Send out a good vibe or a virtual hug. If it's really uncomfortable for you to not have an alcoholic beverage when you go out to dinner, just try it. Try it on for size. I'm not asking you to get sober. I'm not asking you to quit alcohol. I'm asking you to do something outside of your comfort zone. What is so much of our drinking behavior? Habit. It's what we do. It's what we know. It's what we're comfortable with. So start to test yourself and choose things that are slightly outside of your comfort zone. And soon you'll be doing things that are wildly outside of your comfort zone. So if we follow through, if we do 10% more, and if we get outside of our comfort zone, we are going to automatically create results based on what we're doing. When we automatically create results, we are leading to confidence. Like by definition, we are producing dopamine after dopamine after dopamine hit in our brain, and we are producing confidence. And then confidence is what destroys these nasty limiting beliefs. So the super fucking cool thing about all of this stuff is that you don't actually have to do anything, really. You just have to take the first step. Action causes more action. You don't have to believe in yourself for this to work. You just have to do the damn work, just that first step. You literally just have to take action. And as I have shared with you, I'm not talking about crazy big action. I'm talking about tiny, tiny things. And if you do one tiny, tiny thing, that's going to lead to another tiny thing and another tiny thing and another tiny thing. And you are going to build self-confidence and you are going to smash your limiting beliefs. Give it a try. I want to hear how it goes for you. Please send me a message. Send it through the podcast. You can email me at hello at louisebarnett.com. I want to know how this is going for you. And I want to know what tiny steps that you're doing to take action, to increase your self-confidence, to smash these negative beliefs. That's all I've got for you today. Dear listeners, thank you for tuning in again and again to the Together Sober podcast. You will hear from me next week with another solo episode. Thank you so much for listening today. If you liked it, please do not forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. This is the only way we can spread the mission of Together Sober to help individuals find lasting sobriety and mental peace. If you didn't like it, don't even worry about it. You're like totally fine. 